0: You're listening to Ben & Bikes with your host, Ben Lockett. This podcast is about bikes, but more about the people who ride them and their stories, and less about frame size, shock technology, or even the Tour de France. This is Ben & Bikes, where every bike tells a story.
1: One of the tools I can't do without when making episodes for the Ben and Bikes podcast is a great pair of headphones. I use them when interviewing my guests, and I use them in the editing process. I need to hear every word. I choose to use a pair of studio regents which provide impeccable clarity and well-balanced sound, making show audio and music sound great. I couldn't be happier. The good news for listeners to this podcast is that you can get a pair of these headphones or another style that fits your needs at a 15% discount. You should also know that they ship worldwide at no extra cost. Just go to sudio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O.com, make your selection, and when you check out, use discount code BENANDBIKES, all one word. You can also find a link to their website by visiting benandbikes.com. And now to this week's episode. In previous podcasts, I've mentioned the idea of a BHAG. BHAG is a four-letter acronym standing for Big Hairy Audacious Goal. I'm sure it was in common usage before the publication of a seminal book on improving corporate performance, Good to Great, but this is where I first learned about its usage. A BHAG, as the name suggests, is defined as encouraging companies to define visionary goals that are emotionally compelling. Today's guests joining me from St. George, Utah are Chris Hagg and Sophie George. Their quest defines the BHAG concept. They will be riding their bikes from Alaska to Argentina, a distance of 20,000 miles, give or take. It will take them about two years to complete. You can learn more about their adventure and keep tabs on this process by visiting the placesip.com website there will also be a link on the page Bikes.com. so without further ado sophie and chris welcome to the ben and bikes podcast
2: thanks for having us uh,
3: thank you ben for having
1: us not, not, not at all uh sophie uh great to welcome another brit uh, to the podcast <laughs> so uh could you two uh have a shot at introducing yourselves who who are chris and Sophie,
3: like I said, my name is Chris Haig and uh, I'm from uh, Michigan originally, uh, the Detroit area. And um, I guess for the last last few years, um, I've I've run my own business. I've been a uh, freelance consultant, and I'm 35 years old. And over the last few months, we've started planning this uh, this trip. From uh, Alaska to Argentina, in which we're going to uh, kind of give up all of our uh, all of our creature comforts and jobs and um, uh, any kind of uh, I don't know steady uh, <laughs> steady uh, easygoing life and uh, and try to slug it out on some bikes for a couple of years mm-hmm. for twenty thousand miles.
1: <laughs> easier, easier said than done. Good for you. Uh, so, Sophie, what about what about you?
2: Uh, So it's uh, it's terrifying when I hear the the figure 20,000 miles. (laughs) I'm just going to take it day by day. Um, But so, yeah, I'm Sophie George. And uh, as you said, I'm from the UK. Um, I'm originally from London, uh, but I I call Brighton home. I lived there for 10 years before moving to the States, which was 10 years ago. So um, I'm I'm just coming rounding on my decade of, of being in the U.S., um, I, am, I have a PhD in behavioral neuroscience. I was um, working at the University of Michigan for seven years and then took a position out here in Utah. So, uh, yeah, I've been teaching neuroscience for the last three years, um, but bikes have always been a, a kind of, well, I guess an increasingly big part of my life. I've been a dedicated bike commuter for, uh, since moving to St. George. Um so, yeah, uh, as Chris said, ready to take it to the next level and uh in my notice earlier this year, and um to the students uh I would say delight and amusement told them that I was going on a twenty thousand mile bike ride
1: yeah there's there's a huge difference between <laughs> riding your bike to work and riding twenty thousand <laughs> miles across three continents. Yes, so, or so much. when you take a exactly. <laughs> So when Take you say taking, minute, taking it to the next level, <laughs> you're not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: skipping a few levels in the middle. <laughs>
1: Literally, the mm-hmm. biggest understatement I've heard this year. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: so uh, look, uh, BHAG, as I mentioned here, the the goal here uh, that the big hairy audacious goal uh, is for you to you two uh, crazy people uh, to ride a bike from Alaska to Argentina. 20,000 miles across three continents at what party were you at when you'd clearly drunk too much uh did you decide that that was what you wanted to do what what is the genesis of this uh, of this idea
0: well
3: i guess i've always had like in the back of my mind probably like for the last 15 years i've, I've had it Sitting there, that I'm, I wanted to do something, um, you know, take take a few years off to just travel and um, and see what uh, and see what that lifestyle is like, I guess. And it was this past um, November when we were hugging in arizona and we were just i think it was around thanksgiving and we were just sort of having a talk about uh what the next steps in our life were and we decided that we that we wanted to move away from southwest utah but we really didn't have uh a plan as far as what we wanted to do next and um anytime there's a transition in life the first thing that i suggest is that we should go and travel um and so Somehow from that, it became uh, that we should go and take two years to ride bikes from Alaska to Argentina.
2: (laughs) And I think for me, the genesis of this specific idea, this specific trip was we were in Baja a couple of Christmases ago. And we met a couple who were doing a version of, of this ride. And they were they were just normal people. You know, they weren't like super athletes. They weren't. A dirty, hairy, bearded men. They were. They were, There was a, a couple, and they looked completely normal and completely respectable. And it it dawned on me that this was something that was also possible for me to be able to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Why? Why not you guys, Rain? Right? Um, so, 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 twenty thousand miles. Um, what is the, from what I read from your website, the the the, the goal of twenty thousand miles uh, is sort of set. You've got an idea of, of you want to, you, you understand what point A is and you understand what point B is. Uh, but getting between the two from what I read from your website, still pretty fluid. Is that accurate?
3: Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't think that you can plan a, uh, you know, day by day sort of thing for something like this. We've, we've got a few spots, along the way that we want to get to but um so i think there's there's kind of a general path that we'll take but you know there there will be stretches of hundreds or maybe even a thousand miles where we don't really have anything in particular that we want to do between a and b and so um you know we kind of just get to you know look and say well there's a there's a storm on the coast right now so we'll go to the mountains or Or somebody tells us that this road is really beautiful, so we can we can go there.
1: Right, right, absolutely. So, um, but remind me where point A is in Alaska.
2: So we're going to start in Homer, Alaska. Uh, and there are there's several steps to getting there, so we're taking a plane, a train, and a ferry from <laughs> Michigan, from Detroit, in order to arrive in Homer. Um, and the favorite part, my favorite part about this bit of the trip, is that Chris is 85. Will she kill us for giving her age on the podcast?
3: I don't think so. She's also, I've also been saying she's 85 for like five years. Yeah,
2: so. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so Chris's grandmother is coming with us because um, she's this amazing adventurous little lady uh, and uh, so she's going to come with us to see us off at
1: the start in Alaska I'm, I'm glad you just you just defined that she's coming to see you off not she's joining you on the ride
3: <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get her to join <laughs> that, I told her we could build a little sidecar for her there you go
1: <laughs> just to add to the weight of of your bikes uh, that would be uh, that would be great um, and so uh, what sort of training have you put in for for this amazing journey
2: None. I think <laughs> I think, you, I think <laughs> I wait wait wait
1: <laughs> I, I just want to make sure I heard you say none. None. We've been carb
2: loading for the last six months. Oh, I'm sure
1: that, you, that does. Well, then we all qualify for that. So I wouldn't worry too much about about that. But uh, literally, no, I mean, literally, literally no training. Exactly.
2: It feels like possible to train for, you know. I, I mean, I, I absolutely could load my bike up with 85 pounds and head out the door, you know, a couple times a week, but it just feels like a major hassle. So, you know, I did some long rides, to long, long day rides, you know, talking 40, 50, 60 miles to give myself the psychological confidence that I'm going to be able to, you know, bust out the sort of mileage that we'll be looking at each day. Right. But um, in terms of riding loaded, um, I... We, we really haven't we haven't done any um, so so the first month is going to be go slow get strong expect to hurt every day and, uh, and yep. just yeah do do what we can
3: because I train did, on, on the job yeah I, yeah, I don't think you, you really you really can't train for it like she said I mean the 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 training that you would have to do is basically you know putting putting hundred pounds on the bike and you're going to be doing that for. Two years, anyhow. So, like, like Soph said, we can just take it slow. Um, we're not in any kind of a hurry, so you know, your your body will sort of acclimate as you get going. Okay. Uh, but, I did, or or will blow out your knees.
1: <laughs> I did do some uh, back of a napkin maths before the show. Twenty thousand miles uh, over two years. That's ten thousand miles a year uh that's about thirty miles a day uh is what I think you need to be aiming at, so if you're training at sixty uh miles uh, or, albeit briefly training sixty you should should be just fine on that um no problem at all What could go wrong yeah,
3: yeah. look at it it's five or four days a week, fifty miles a day on average okay that's what look at it for ourselves, and then that way we've got plenty of time to rest. Yep. And um, and sometimes in reality, you know, we're going to find a place that we like and hang out for a few weeks if we want to.
1: Sounds idyllic. Um, I do have to ask you about the name of your website and how that relates to your journey. Uh, as a reminder, uh, the, the the website to go to to track uh, Chris and Sophie's progress is theplacesip.com. So um, I would love to know more about how that website came about and if that ties into how you plan to document your journey.
3: (laughs) Dr. George.
2: (laughs) So so yeah, this one was my fault. Um, So when we moved to Utah three years ago, and I should say we're um, 50 miles from Zion National Park, we are... Uh, 90 miles from the edge of the Grand Canyon. You know, we're in this fantastic country, um, and you know, five minutes outside of St. George in any direction, and you you hit the best of you know the the, the wild west that America has to offer. You kind of
0: know, right. big
2: landscape, big horizons. Um, so uh, so when we moved out here, um, it it dawned on me one day. I don't remember the exact moment, but presumably while taking a pee that I, I've i moved from peeing in normal places, you know, in <laughs> on toilets, in bathrooms, you know, I've spent my whole life going to the bathroom to, to pee. And now I pee in the most fantastic places, you know, like <laughs> overlooking some sheer cliff in Zion or, you know, watching a, an eagle catch a, a little bird on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Um, and so then when we were trying to come up with Ways that, uh, with uh, names for the website. It seemed like uh, like we were essentially taking our amazing peeing <laughs> peeing locations on a, on a as you said a, a multiple continent tour. Um, so, yeah, over the time we've been here, I've had this kind of imaginary um, Instagram account or something in my head where I take I snapshots of all these fantastic places I pee. I, I never actually took the pictures, and I don't think we're going to change that. I'm not sure Not sure that's what people actually want to see as we... Uh,
3: I've, I've been caching some pictures of the places that I've been peeing <laughs> lately. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, well, I've, I've had a few people... Who've, We've posted maybe one or two on our Instagram account, and a, a few people uh, have joked that finally they're getting the content that they signed up for. So,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's a tremendous brand as long as you, as long as you stick with it. At least the website's not called "Me Peeing." Uh, that's good. Uh, but <laughs> you can the well, place...
0: there's, a, there's another
2: website, another Instagram account in which which of a very similar name, in which the guy I, I don't know why I assume it's a guy um, just take takes pictures of toilets. So we could always go that route.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that you just don't really want to Google probably. Um, But uh, (laughs) I I think it's a tremendous name. Uh, I I look forward to seeing all, I think we all look forward to seeing the places where you pee. Uh, It'll be um, absolutely fascinating. So um, you are going to take two years uh, off work. Uh, How the heck do you manage that?
3: um, with not without stress. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I guess, well, like I said, I guess, because I've been sort of thinking about doing this for most of my adult life. Um, I've, I've always been kind of like squirreling my pennies away. Um, you know, kind of waiting for it to happen. It's, it's not a, uh, it's not a, it's not a cheap endeavor. I mean, you're losing two years of income, right? And then, uh, and then you're just you're just burning through money along the way. Um, we've had a little bit of su- success getting sponsors um, to help out with some gear and um, and things like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's being totally self funded. Um, and uh, you know, the, the gear is expensive. Once you hit. Um, and I guess that, that being said, it's not, it doesn't have to be super expensive. Like most people already have a bike. You don't need a, you know, a $2,000 bike to do it. You know, people were doing this in the, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s on, you know, pretty um, pathetic bikes by today's standards. Um, so you could do this on your your dad's uh, 1985 Schwinn World Sport if you wanted to. Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, you need, a, you need a bike, you need a tent, a few water bottles, um, you know, you don't have to have a ton of expensive gear to do it. And then once you hit um, Latin America, prices go pretty far down. Um, I mean, I think that if you really wanted to try to, um, you know, be as cost conscious as possible, you could probably do this thing on, you know, just probably, I don't know, several thousand dollars a year yep. um, if, you know, if you had
1: to. Yeah, um, I'm assuming though, even though you seem to be taking this as sort of a, a take it as it comes type adventure, which, which sounds great, uh, I'm assuming that you still have to have done some significant planning uh, in terms of like even like straightforward stuff like visas, like how do you get from one country to the next once you cross over the border into Mexico?
2: Yeah, I would say Chris is playing it down in terms of in terms of what thoughts got into it. That um, I've been uh, finishing up my job for the, you know the, the semester just ended three weeks ago, so I've been completely uh, tied up, and he's pretty much made planning this at his full time job for the last three months or four months or something. Um right. So so yeah, I mean yeah, from figuring out how much money we think we'll spend uh, every day, of course you know figuring out. The gear that that will that will need, um, and and yeah, you know, as you say, visas. Um, we have the added complication of having to do the, that sort of research twice because I have to. Uh, we have to do it for a, a U.S. citizen and then for a British citizen as well.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I, I was going to
2: see the countries in Central and South America who are um, easier on the British versus
3: the Americans and vice versa. Yeah, I was going to... It seems to have a bone to pick with America.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wonder wonder why that is. (laughs) 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 Um, So actually, interestingly, uh, you're saying uh, that uh, doing this trip as a Brit, uh, Sophie, is easier than Chris doing it as an American...
2: Well I mean, in terms of visas yes um actually I had this horrible realization uh a few a month ago course this is something i should have looked into six months ago and i didn't get around to it and um, that my green card would be put in jeopardy for leaving
1: oh,
0: yes. for
2: more than six months right um so you know green card is is great allows you to live in, and work in the states forever but right. only if you stay so as soon as you abandon your permanent residence they uh they, they can they can take it away from you huh. um and of course, you know, as long as we don't annoy each other too much, we manage to stay married. Yes. Then I can always apply for it, but that might make it harder to get a job coming back in. Um, so, it also
3: resets the clock on citizenship.
2: Yes, yeah. So, as someone who's married to a U.S. citizen, um, I need to have been permanently resident, continuously resident, and we need to be married for three years. So, right. So I realised month ago that right now I meet the the requirements for getting citizenship but as soon uh, as we leave for more than six months I will then lose that that option right. um, so I've just done a, a massive scramble to uh, to to apply for a U.S. passport yep. and so that I'll have dual citizenship because that seems like the ideal is I get to choose which does this country like Americans better or does it like <laughs> British people better as I go through order seems yeah.
1: ideal my my um, guess is if you if you stay away from venezuela and mexico you should be okay with an american passport yes I
2: think that's right yeah and um, but the uh, the process of applying for the passport is obviously not a quick one so
0: right.
2: i am looking at the reality of um, i just had my there's three separate stages to um to, to getting a passport um, and i had the first interview yesterday so right. i managed to get one down before we leave but the reality is that when um united states immigration services write to me and tell me that i have to come for an interview I'm going to cycle to the nearest town, get on a plane back to Las Vegas, and go to the field office there, and, and go to the interview at the date they tell me I have to be there. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's an added wrinkle. No doubt. Um, but maybe I'll be grateful for the break and <laughs> coming go. back to the US and you know having a couple of days off.
1: I'm interrupting this week's episode to tell you about Studio headphones. If you were listening at the beginning of this week's episode, you will have heard me talking about the Studio Regent headphones I use. You'll have to believe me when I say that they are some of the best headphones I have ever used and I really couldn't do without them. Studio are a Swedish company who have bridged the gap between style and technology, providing a product that matches the quality of the highest rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. The good news for listeners to this podcast is that you can get a pair of these headphones at a 15% discount. Just go to studio.com, that's S-U-D-I-O dot make your selection, and when you check out, use discount code BENANDBIKES, all one word. You can also find a link to their website by visiting benandbikes.com. And now, back to the podcast. So, um, tell us about the bikes that you're that you're riding. Uh, I'm sure they aren't the sh- my my father's Schwinn. So, what uh, what bikes are you going to be riding on this adventure?
3: After you, so
2: <laughs> um, I have a grey bike.
3: <laughs> <laughs> grey, <laughs> like the clouds of England.
2: <laughs> um I. I have a, a surly long haul disc trucker, um, but it, I will admit that it was the choice was made for me by Chris. I, so, you know, he kn- I told him what sort of bike I, I like, and you know, he knows the, the, the sorts of things that I need. So, but I let him advise me about what to get um, because I'm I'm not a, a bikey techy person at all. Um, but yeah, so uh, what else do we need? Salsa. How do, what are they call <laughs> This
3: is but why racks. you
2: should have answered for
3: me. Fun <laughs> racks? And... No, the handlebars. The... Oh, you've got the wood chipper handlebars. Salsa,
2: salsa wood chippers.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. so they're sort of, they're drop bars, but they're, they've got like a kind of a wider stance to them so that she can, it's kind of softer handling. Nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. There's
3: like We have like completely different um, uh, philosophical approaches to our bikes um, with soaps. Like the the most important factors were that every single thing on them be black or gray. Um,
0: I don't think that's a fair
3: characterization.
0: <laughs> it's like,
2: the, like, I, I like it to look nice, and I'm willing to spend a little more money to get the thing that I think looks nice. But the yep. functionality is there as well. I have all the functionality you have. It just all happens to match as well. What,
3: what functionality decisions did you
2: make? <laughs> <laughs> I got the nicest ooties. I'm the man. <laughs> they waterproof. <laughs>
3: um, my my bike on the other hand was um, it was uh, it was utility first and looks second right and so um and i have part of the fun for me is like making uh making some of my own gear so my bike is just a complete frankenstein it's a 2013 surly troll um which is sort of a i guess it's kind of like an adventure bike Um, it's a mountain bike style frame but then they've built it up um, with all the braises and certain features to be uh, geared towards like bike packing and and um, kind of rougher touring, and so a couple things that I did on it were, um, I it came with like wide mustache handlebars, yep. which I'd never had before, and I assumed I was going to swap out. But once I once I started riding around with them, I really liked them. But I also wanted to have drop bars because of just being able to get into like the low arrow position and kind of hide from the wind or exactly. when going downhill. Yeah. Um, I've just always had drop bars, so that's something that's really comfortable for, for me. And ended up doing was taking a set of um, bull horns, like uh, clamp-on bull horns that you'd put on like a mountain bike, yep. and then um, and then a. a a set of drop bars and I cut both of them down and I found a guy to weld them together um, which actually it's really hard to find somebody who can weld aluminum in Southwest Utah um, and and actually I almost uh, I almost cut my finger off um, <laughs> when I was cutting them down um, because the uh, the handlebars slipped in the angle grinder kicked back um, and, uh, but so, yeah, so I had somebody weld those things together. So now I've got these clamp on drop bars that go on to my mustache bars. Um, and, uh, I love them. They're great. And, um, and then I made my panniers, um, because I've always had, uh, you know, the tidy cat litter buckets. Suddenly. So, yeah. So I've, i like, I've always had those as panniers and, um, And I just thought, you know, they've worked for six or seven years. Why, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I made a new set that were a little bit bigger than my old ones. Um, But they're actually lighter than uh, Ortlieb's. And um, they're totally waterproof. And you can take them off. You can sit on them. You can... Fill them with ice and put your favorite uh, cold beverage in them. Do your washing in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> use, them, use them as a laundry tub. Um, and uh, as and like a little table to kind of like, you know, put your, put your food on or cut stuff on. They're actually really, really uh, useful. Uh,
1: we, we've heard about the bikes. And um, I do see on your website that you have looks like myopically uh, weighed everything on that you're going to be taking <laughs> with you, uh, uh, and it looks like I think uh, that uh, Sophie, you're about eighty-eight pounds, and uh, Chris, you're about ninety-eight pounds, give or take, somewhere in that range. Uh, so, um, as far as those weights are concerned, is that have is that the, the most you're going to uh, carry with you, or? Do you plan to reduce that weight or how how do you look at that weight side of things, which, which really could impact how difficult this adventure turns out to be?
3: Yeah, those weights don't include any food or water. So there should be some sections where if we're going through the desert where we might need to carry three days of water and food, which could easily be another 30 pounds.
1: Yes, one gallon equals eight pounds. I know this.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, we could easily be up between 110 and 120 pounds at some points, I would think.
1: Yeah. Although I think
3: that we're probably going to find some of the gear that we brought that we'll, um, that we'll probably shed as well, We'll We probably have a little more than we need.
2: Well, I mean, we loaded the bikes up two days ago for the first time with you know basically everything with the exception of food and water and we rode them around the block and that was fine so i think i think we're gonna be we're gonna be all
1: right yeah literally another one of those what could go wrong uh, statements springs to mind <laughs>
3: right
1: <laughs> yeah no no doubt uh actually uh talking of of your bikes and uh connecting that to sponsors Uh, Surly, if you are listening to this, and I will hashtag and uh, do everything I can to make sure that you are aware of the fact that two uh, crazy people are riding your bikes 20,000 miles, uh, that would probably be a good sponsorship opportunity for you. So uh, let's see if we can make that one happen. Um, Thank you. you. Not at all. Uh, So um, what are you most looking forward to?
2: I'm really, I know, maybe I don't want to um, uh, turn off the American audience, but I'm really looking forward to crossing the border from the States into Mexico. Um, yeah. Like I probably, if I, or when we were talking about the options for this trip, I was advocating for starting, you know, essentially starting things out. Um, I have uh, been trying to learn Spanish on and off for the past, 20 years (laughs) off Um, and so so the idea you know I I know that the only way to get any better than you know my horrible level of Spanish right now is to spend a good amount of time in 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 Spanish speaking countries. so I'm really excited to cross the border and um, and dive into being able to speak Spanish Um, however Chris made a, a convincing argument for um, kind of training through the US, you know, that we're we will everything will be foreign to us, right? But as, as you've uh, you've highlighted, we we haven't really loaded up the bikes, right? We haven't really trained in terms of, um, you know, with all the all the weight and all of that. So um, you know, diving into the all of the challenges all at once, um, the physical challenge and the logistical challenges, and you know, being in a, 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 a country in which you don't speak the language and all of that seem like uh, it might be really overwhelming so starting in a familiar you know cultural setting and being able to dial in the the bikes bit of it and the, and the riding bit of it seems like a good kind of training opportunity before we then cross the border and yeah. add in this whole other level of of challenge to what we're doing
1: yeah watch out for those canadians though
3: <laughs> indeed <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, Chris. Well, kill,
3: Chris, want to kill you with
1: kindness? <laughs> yeah, really, and maple and maple syrup or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but so, Chris, uh, what what are you most looking forward to?
3: Well, Soph just stole mine, <laughs> um, so I feel we agree like on
2: something. It's
3: amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I think same thing for me though. That like like the moment the moment we cross into Mexico will have gone through geez five five months or so of riding and that in and of itself would have been its own you know adventure of a lifetime i think yep and then all of a sudden one day um somehow everything becomes different and is sort of Kicked up a level or two when you throw in the idea of um, a foreign country, uh, a language that we, you know, really don't know that well, um, different cultures, and um, and you know, probably a, a, a handful of new logistical issues as far as um, uh, camping and um, you know, just our, I think maybe our, our kind of day to day life. So I think that, to me, is just really, really exciting to think that, you know, you've gone through this adventure, and then all of a sudden, you're sort of like sitting there just staring at another big adventure that's just about to start. um, That's even, you know, I would say bigger than the one that you've just done. Yeah. This hasn't
2: occurred to me before, but um, you know, when when uh, when I first moved to the U.S. and you know driving or you know driving from state to state or flying from state to state, and you realize that there are cultural differences between states, and suddenly you think you don't know how stuff works anymore. Right. But I, I think we're going to have those exciting bits and those challenges all the way down because like every border yeah. you cross, you know, some some you know in some ways you're now in, in a different in a different. Um, environment, and yeah, there's going to be new cultural things that you don't understand, and new, yeah, just, just new challenges the whole way. Yeah, that's kind of a nice, a nice and a scary thought all at the same
3: time. The other thing that's exciting about that, too, I don't know if you've ever driven to Mexico, but specifically, we, we drove through um, Baja the last two years. And there's one crossing in particular. It's it's really small. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere um, at uh, Takate. And that was the coolest border crossing I've ever done. It's like there's, there's nobody there. There's this big, beautiful gate. And somebody literally opens up. Like, they walk out, like, and by hand, they open up this gate. And then it's like you enter this world of, like, pastel painted buildings and mariachi bands and dudes pushing like taco carts down the street um and that's just like the coolest way to enter a country i think and so i just kind of have this uh this vision of like you know this really uh um kind of like dramatic uh, entry into Mexico like that. Although we don't know where we're crossing yet, but that—that's a
1: good argument. That, that sounds day, like crossing from Devon to Cornwall on the Tamar Bridge. That uh, Sophie will be. So, so Chris, I'll give you a first crack at this, uh, so Sophie can't steal your thunder. So, uh, what keeps you up at night about this trip? Ha.
3: I know we've got the same
1: one on this one, at least a little bit
3: right now. It's bears.
1: Huh? Yes.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they run 35 miles an hour. They've got the agility of a squirrel, right? Um, you can't outrun them. You can't out bike them. Um, and, uh, you know, they're just like, they're just a big scary thing. Can, Um,
1: can you ride faster than Sophie? Yeah. Well, that's all you need to worry about when it comes to bears. Yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks,
1: guys. (laughs) Uh, Sophie, what? Um, what...
2: For me, the thing that keeps me up is people texting and driving. You know, I think that the the biggest danger for us is that we're going to be riding our bikes and we're going to be on main roads a lot of the time, and um, people are um, are terrifyingly distracted while they drive. And, you know, I've done the thing a couple of times here in town of flagging people down who are weaving in and out of the bike lane because they're so engrossed in what they're doing on their phone and and trying to calmly and politely explain (laughs) to them how... And uh, um, you should understand that I do it neither calmly nor politely, typically, with <laughs> much as I try. <laughs> um, I would uh, expect but, nothing else. Yeah, like trying to explain how terrifying it is when someone in this massive hunk of metal is, you know, clearly not watching the road um, and has no idea where I am in relation to them. When I'm, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to protect me from them. Yeah, it's like they
3: think the bike lane is a buffer so that they can be on their phone and they've got a little bit more room to swerve before they hit a sign on the side.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I've ridden from Steamboat Springs to Salt Lake, uh, for four times, I think three or four times. Um, oh, wow. and so, um, riding, uh, across the high desert there, um, coming into Vernal, uh, the, the trucks, the, the, the oil trucks there are, are just like that. Uh, I think they get as close to a biker as they can.
3: Um, so, do you go through? Is that through like Red Rock Country, through like the the San Rafael Swell, and um, just like the big red sandstone cliffs through there? Uh,
1: it's we we went through uh, Craig and then up through uh, Dinosaur and then uh, into Vernal across the Green River uh, and then onto Salt Lake from there.
3: Okay. Wow. wow. Oh yeah, so yeah, Green River area. Yeah. That's beautiful there.
1: Oh, it's it's absolutely stunning, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So, uh well good. So, uh tr- when do when do you hope to have like the f- when do you actually uh, plan to start? When are you going to w- w- roll, roll out of uh of your start point?
0: Uh
2: so we have a few days to get stuff ready once we we land in Homer, we get off the ferry in Homer. Uh, And then so I think we get off the ferry on the 29th of June and we plan to actually start pedaling on July the 2nd,
1: July the 2nd. And then you leave uh, uh, St. George next week. Is that right? right?
2: Yeah, that's right. So we're uh, we're in the process of cleaning up the house and uh, packing up the bikes and getting ready to ship them in, in the direction of Alaska and then heading back to Detroit, which is uh, you know where Chris is from and where you know, we lived together for uh, uh, several years. So we have a, a lot of family and friends there. Yep. To um, have a have a kind of holiday, I guess, like a three weeks one. This that will the point at which everything is packed up and everything is ready to go and all the decisions have been made so we just get to go and hang out before before we fly out west again
1: super Um, and what's the uh what's the best way for people to keep track of your progress once you actually start
3: uh so actually on our website we have a, if you go to the navigation bar at the top and click on about, there's a, uh, there's a section that says route underneath there. And, um, that will actually have, uh, we're along the way. So our five most recent days of riding posted on there, and then a map of our total progress from start to finish to that point. Very good. Uh, yeah, so, so generally, you know, I think we'll be, I hope that we're able to update that every week. So I think typically people should know where we are within a couple hundred miles.
1: Uh, good stuff. Well, we'll be keeping track of you for sure. Um, it would be uh, great as you um, head off, uh, if we could arrange the talk uh, at some point along the way, maybe a few times, it would be really cool to see how, how things are going.
3: Yeah, that would be spectacular. Good
1: stuff. Uh well, um I applaud this uh this adventure. I think you're gonna have uh just a thousand stories to tell. Uh any plans to turn this into uh into a book or anything like that?
2: When we first told our friends I and mean, we posted to Facebook about the um the, the website name, the places IP. Yeah, right. that the, one of the first responses we got was that someone thought we were writing a children's book about a little male dog. So yeah. I think is a great idea.
1: Yeah, it would be the companion book to Everybody Poops, which is uh, a, a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a, as a parent, I know this book exists, so I, I think you're onto something. Um, but uh, look, you're going to have a bunch of content and a, bun- a bunch of stories too, so it would uh, certainly uh, translate uh, well into, into a book uh, once, once you're completed with this. Uh, but wish you, wish you guys the best of luck. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, I think you're going to have a tremendous time, and I'm sure, I know I speak for myself, and I'm sure a bunch of people listen to this podcast. We're all insanely jealous uh, and wish that we were coming along with you. Uh, assume that there is an opportunity for anyone to join you on this ride at certain points along the way.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we encourage it. Um, yeah, it'll it, keep the conversation fresh. We'll <laughs> probably end up just talking about uh, how much our legs hurt every day. So if somebody else can, can join in the fun. Yes. Um, along for a few days or a week or
1: whatever I, I was I was trying to wrap up the interview at this point but there was one question I've just seen which I wanted to ask is have you ever or did you consider doing this on a tandem <laughs>
2: Uh, maybe for 10 seconds. That's once.
1: right. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> we right. realized that
2: being able to ride away from each other would definitely be a useful way of solving arguments <laughs> at some that's point. That's right.
1: Yeah, because you know that is coming, right? I mean, yeah, there is the inevitable argument where you're... But let's just hope it doesn't happen very often.
3: Oh, uh, we get along so well. <laughs> good, good. You, no, we never are. will never happen. Because
1: you, you're going to get to know each other real good on this trip, for sure. Uh, all right, Chris uh, Chris Haig, I pronounced your name incorrectly to begin with, Chris. I apologize. And Sophie George, oh, no worries. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, uh, good luck with the, with the adventure. We'll be rooting for you and che- uh, checking your progress along the way.
2: It was our pleasure. Thanks
0: for having us, Ben.
1: Right. Yeah,
3: Ben, thank you so much.
1: No problem. Uh, good luck. Thank you.
0: Cheers. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Ben and Bikes podcast. You'll find this and many other episodes about athletes, authors, filmmakers, and community organizers, all with a story to tell about bikes by visiting benandbikes.com. Thank you for listening. We'd sure appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ben and Bikes podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate your support and thanks for helping us connect with other bike enthusiasts. If you have a bike story to tell, email us, ben at benandbikes.com.